0: All right, Justin. Uh, a, B, C, D, or E? Man,
1: I, I don't really care about the letter right now. But boy, we got to talk about what's going on with DC, dog. We dropping everybody. So, yeah, maybe some uh, news, but that includes some of that.
0: Yeah, so Henry Cavill's out. I think we touched on that a little bit. Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. well... Patty Jenkins is out. Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman isn't technically fully out. I Maybe. They haven't really announced what they're doing with that. Other than the fact that you would assume so, because Jason Momoa is out as Aquaman. Uh, mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, uh, The Rock is out as Black Adam. Yep. So, man, that's a thing. And that, and that, le- that
1: message that he wrote, Was like the most like (laughs) two-sided, like back and forth, kind of confusing, but disappointing, but gratified and sort of non-explanation explanation explanation I think I've ever read. It was just so weird. (laughs) It was weird, dude. Like, well... It's not going to be part of things going forward, but but I am confident that at some point we will. It was weird. It was like he said, I'm gone, but I'm not really gone, but I am, and I appreciate the fans. It was weird, dude. It was just weird. I was just like, just say what it
0: is, please. Please. Yeah, that was like the weirdest thing about it is he's like, I'm not in this next phase of movies but I might be back in all this other stuff and then you hear reports of they offered him to be in a cameo for for Shazam 2 and he turned it down cuz he he didn't want to be in that version of stuff and you're like well the character should be though like the character should yeah. be in it and so and then you hear reports that well it wasn't necessarily he wanted to play Black Adam He wanted to just have a movie about him, like, you know, for, for him. And they settled on black Adam. And I'm like, well, that looks like that makes the most sense because you can't sit there and like, he did the typical thing that people do where he's like, I've been reading black Adam comics since I was a kid, even though they really didn't exist. Um, you know, he was a character before, but yeah, he, you know, didn't really have his own book. They didn't really, you know, they didn't used to make books about villains and
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, that started in pretty much like that, that eighties and nineties when that was a thing. Um, but you know, and, that, and that's fine. Like I don't really necessarily need to think that he was a diehard black Adam fan and you know, like that. it's fine. You can just, you know, want the movie to like, you know, show, like, to your strengths. That's fine, you know. But you also can't make a franchise out of that character. Like, let's be real. Like, you can't really franchise the Black Adam.
1: Yeah, he's never been that kind of character in the comics to where he could carry his own stuff like that. And he's, so why would we think that he could be this kind of character in the movies that that's just the thing i get that the rock wants to be there because we've seen this kind of behavior before like with the fast franchise and everything like that he he totally wants to have command and sort of do his own thing and he's the kind of star where that's kind of the 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 the, the demand he wants to have over his roles and what he's doing and everything like that okay you do you you know, actor man, but the character itself, like like you talked about when we did the Black Adam podcast, it's a villain character. It's a villain character. So there's only so much leeway they've given that character in the books. And yes, that character has had some individual stories, but it's not like that character is like a franchise, like number one. Character. That's not what that character is. He's kind of he's f- from what I understand. He's like like you have Shazam, and he's sort of like a a character within Shazam's story. Right. That's how I've always seen he's, him.
0: He's more or less the trope of comic books where you've got a villain that's the opposite of you.
1: Yeah, that's what I always saw him you as. You know, Billy Madsen, so,
0: silly. He's not you know, Billy Batson's Greek, you know, Greek gods and he's Egyptian gods. And, you know, it's like things like that. He's just, you know, playing off that type of thing. And, you know, and that's always been fine. Like he's, he's been a good guy at times. He's been a bad guy at times. He's, you know, he's, he's had a couple of like little mini runs. He's had like some mini series, you know, like a few six issue, arcs and stuff like that where they tell a story of his, you know, it's, it's always been there. Like there's, there's stuff, but like, you know, that's kind of a movie if you're going to do it, like, you know, I know DC is not really doing phases like Marvel did, but like, that's a fit. Fa- that's something you do in phase three or four. Like you, you, you do a a, a Shazam in a, or a, a black Adam in a well-established universe. And then on top of that, you do that as a spinoff of your Shazam franchise. Yeah. Like, that's how you do it. You you spin it off, you know. And, you know, and it's, you know, then there's really nothing wrong with the, the Rock wanting, you know, like you said, like command of his projects and all this other stuff. Like, you know, that's, that's perfectly acceptable. A lot of actors do that. You know, maybe not to the degree he does, but a lot of actors want to be producers on their stuff. Like, I mean, nobody's going to hate Tom Cruise for doing the same thing. And he does it for all his movies. You know, like Mm -hmm. certain actors, when you get to a certain level, you want more say in the projects you do. Yeah. You want some say in the behind the scenes. You want, you know, more say in your projects. And I get that. It's kind of like a TV show. Whenever it's like hitting its fourth or fifth season, all of a sudden the actors are now executive producers on the show. You know, it's the same principle. Like, you're dedicating your time to these projects and stuff like that. You, you know, you want some say in it. Totally, totally get it. You know? And he just, unfortunately, I don't think The Rock has really been nerdy enough to really understand what a comic book movie needs. You know, like, he's, he's just not about that life. And that's also fine, you you know, because I do think an actor can act in a movie and not, you know, be dedicated to the source material. You know, I've seen it work, you know, and then we've also seen it work whenever they are a huge fan of stuff. It does go both ways, you know. But that's the thing is very few times do we have somebody that like is really about that life. You know, like Ryan Reynolds was dedicated to Deadpool. It's, you could tell by the way he acts in it, the way he, he wants those projects to be. He's a Deadpool fan. Yeah. You know, but you can also tell whenever he was in green lantern, not necessarily a green lantern fan. Yep. Yep. You know, but then you've seen, you know, you've seen actors go and like go do these roles and they really don't have a huge, you know, backstory with stuff, you know, it's not like anybody that was in uh, guardians of the galaxy were just die hard guardians of the galaxy fans. Cause you know, True. there was like 10 of them in the world before that movie came out. So <laughs> it's, it's not really a thing, you know, but like they, they were all, they're all good in it. You know, like I'm not going to sit there and be like, Oh no, they weren't fans of the guardians. They can't be a raccoon. Like, come on. Like, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it's also kind of indicative of just what people like Anthony Mackey and you know even Quentin Tarantino lately. It's hard to imagine that a movie studio would be like rock. We don't want you. You you're the biggest like money makingist. <laughs> arguably star right now and we don't need you or want you for this project anymore. You know, it's almost kind of indicative of that whole argument that the character, when it comes to these, the, this comic book movie era, the character is the commodity, not the actor. And this sort of, I think, helps that argument that observation that some people are making because for you to be able to say no it's about the characters not about the actor. so we're just gonna start with a clean slate which I would argue is very smart at this point to just if you're gonna wipe the slate clean maybe this is the right move just to tell your own story wipe the slate clean and let's just start over and try to do this shit right or do this the James Gunn way or whatever we're gonna do I actually like the 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 balls, the the gusto, the whatever, to just say, nah, we gotta start all over with this shit. I think that's tight. But it is indicative of that argument, I think, that it's about it's the the character is the commodity, not the actor, you know, in this era of these comic book films.
0: You know, when Tarantino first said that. I kind of thought it was a little backass.
1: Yeah, now I didn't agree with how how all of what he said,
0: but yes. yes, it it was. I I felt the same thing. But I think if you contextualize it within comic book movies, especially or these IP driven movies, he's right. He is like, it is more about the characters than it is the people performing them. Now, where I think he is wrong is when he's more or less bringing up the concept of a movie star. That a star, like, there's no stars anymore. That's not true. You know? Because I think some of these people have made a name for themselves playing these roles and then continued on afterwards. I mean, are you really going to sit there and say Chris Evans is not a star when he's not Captain America? Like, he's got a following people love him. He's got a fan base. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So much so that when people found out he was just dating somebody for a year and the public didn't know about it, fans were flipping their shit about it. You know, (laughs) like he's, there are movie stars. It's just, they're kind of being made in the, 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 different, in a different way you know, stars are kind of being made now based off they played an iconic character or a big character and they were in some of these bigger movies. So then then they became a star versus how it kind of used to be where Hollywood was like, we're going to make you a star.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that that is a big difference. And like, like, like just what you're talking about, like, and I think, you know, I think they somebody talked to Robert Downey Jr. about this, and he made a point that well, without the the movie actor, the those characters, yes, do those IPs are important, and yes, they do hold a lot of ground and the fan base and everything like that from where they come from and everything like that. But it's still up to that actor to bring this character to life. And if that performance wasn't any good, then you got to get somebody else. There wouldn't be like, there wouldn't be these faces and these names and these people that ne- you now associate with these characters had those performances not been so great. So it's like a hand in hand type of deal. You know, it's just that part is just the actor part is just as important as the
0: IP part is what his argument was. Yeah. Because you have to get the right character or the right person with the right character and all these things, mm-hmm. you know, like that is a, a a big important part of those things. Like, I mean, as much as I love Ben Affleck's daredevil, you know, nobody's clamoring for daredevil two with Ben Affleck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's just depends on, like, how you look at it. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because letting actors grow in these roles and then move on to other things, I think, is more subs- uh, sustainable than the old model. Because the old model is, you know, get them, chew them up, spit them out. Yeah. Use them for as long as they're, you know, a hot commodity and then spitting them out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just a different time. And I think some of these people that hold on to some of the old hat ways of thinking, they just don't really understand the way fandom works now.
1: Also it's, and that, and that's a great point because it is monumentally different than how it used to be like just the, the, the uh, you know, we're aware that the advent of social media and just the connectivity that people have to stars now, like, you can follow these people online. Like, it sounds like a simple thing, but people have to understand what that entails. Like, you could never do this back then, you couldn't Ooh. follow. Arnold Schwarzenegger back when he was doing Conan and all of that kind of stuff and get behind the scenes pictures or hear what they had to say about issues unless it was an interview you know like just the the access that we have to them their lives their opinions everything like that is just so monumentally different than what it used to be.
0: No, I mean. Now you can even actually have conversations with celebrities online. Like for the public to see. Yeah, exactly. You know, like now you're celebrities aren't like completely untouchable now. Exactly. Like you can connect with your fan base in different ways. I mean, like look at a platform like TikTok. You know, like celebrities, like sometimes a, a sound clip of theirs will be used as like a sound in a TikTok or something like that. And then where that used to be a thing that like your friends would see or whatever, blah, blah, blah. The celebrity can now see it and comment on it and do all those things. And like you have people asking celebrities to prom. Yeah. And sometimes they do it. You know, Mm -hmm. like fandom is different now than it used to be. Yeah fandom doesn't always, and but that's the thing too, is like fandoms weirdly fickle. And the fact that like fandom doesn't always lead to things like, you know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson is one of the most, you know, beloved and followed and talked about celebrities in the world. Black Adam didn't do that good. It didn't. There's not always a correlation with things because now there is that balance of, yeah, you can love somebody. I don't get me wrong. I love Dwayne "The Rock" Johnson. Love him. Think he's great. I didn't I I didn't love Black Adam. Nope. I'm not going <laughs> to defend him for doing a Black Adam. Yep. You know what I mean? Like now fandom has the ability to be critical. Not always mm-hmm. you do have those overly, you know, like encompassing fandoms kind of like like a Taylor Swift or a BTS Or like a One Direction or whatever, Justin Bieber, where they're not critical always. That's changing also. You know, they're they're changing that model too. But, you know, now fandom doesn't dictate everything. Like there's this weird balance and landscape with things that I think older generations aren't really on to yet. And don't really understand because they're stuck in the old model, especially when it comes to Hollywood. True. I say that. Entertainment, yeah, yeah. I think way to say it. The most because they do that with music too. You know, there was that song that Sam Smith did, that unholy song, that blew up to an ungodly level on TikTok, and the studio wouldn't release the single because they were like, "No, no, no. We just need to keep writing it. Just like let it, like keep letting it be popular and viral." And then we'll release it. Let's keep writing this. Let's keep writing it. That's not how you do it anymore. Yeah. That's it's true. viral. You fucking release it now. Yeah. Because two weeks, you're not viral anymore. You're not viral. Exactly. They
1: have already moved on. And that's why it's kind of amazing what content creators, like people talk about content creators and stuff, but, the difficult task of staying relevant and staying viral constantly. Man, like w- when you look at some of those interviews and some of those kind of things, when they talk about those people, it's like a full time job oh, trying to stay is.
0: relevant. Dude, you know? When I was doing that challenge that ended up falling apart, and I did like four straight months, it was like three or four straight months of doing a, a different movie every day. That alone was a fucking chore. Man, yeah. Because yeah. it's it's every day you have to do it. And so these ones that do creative content creation, and they tell stories and all these different things, I'm like, that's... Even if it's three minutes, you're creating a three-minute story every day. Sometimes two or three times a day, just so people don't forget you. yeah. That's yeah. fuck dude. Three minutes every day was killing me. Like, yeah, there was more to it. Cause I had to watch a movie. You know, I had to do so much more, but like it gets to you though, every day. Yeah. And I was just doing it for the fun of it. I wasn't doing it going, this is my job.
1: Yeah. And these numbers are going to depend on how much money I receive. Just imagine like, looking at those views and numbers and likes and everything and going, my, my living depends on this.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then especially if you have like a family too, if you're not just like a young person and you have a family, it's like, can I afford food for my family? Can I do this? Like my wife quit her job. Cause I was doing so well at this. Do I have to tell my wife to go get her job back? Or do I need to go get my job back that I left to do this full time? you know yeah all those things and then like on top of that like say like one of us was to do something like that with movies these people have to give opinions about movies every day yeah every day yeah that's a like i said i was doing that kind of but i was just watching whatever the fuck i wanted to watch you know what i mean so I got to pick and choose. They have to talk about the most mov- the the movies that are the most relevant right now. Mm-hmm. Don't be caught talking about something else. Cause then, you know, people don't care. Like you can get away with it sometimes in like the people that do like the horror TikTok where they talk about horror movies. Because horror movies are just dictated by fucking nostalgia. You know what I mean? As much as my ass hates nostalgia. I'm still like at any given point in time going, man, I love me some candy, man. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm still not immune to it, you know? So they get some leeway. Cause it can be like, what are your five favorite, you know, horror movies and stuff like that. And like, or what's your favorite death? Yeah, they get some leeway with it. You don't get that when it's like, I'm going to do movies just in general. Yeah. And granted, there's a ton of movies out there. There's always something you can watch, but like, When do you like, you have to do it in a way you also don't burn yourself out. Like doing this for a job, like a lot of people don't realize everybody thinks that like, oh, being a movie critic would be so easy back in the days of newspaper. Like where like, you know, like, oh, you just go watch a movie and then write about it. These people sometimes would have to sit through three or four movies in a movie theater a day. And then have to write three or four articles that day and get it yeah. to their, get them to their editors by a certain time. So they can hit the deadline to where they would be in the paper by Friday. And they're seeing three or four of those movies on Thursday.
1: And you have to really be able to explain this film in those articles, but also do it in an, in an eloquent way that's not spoilery. Like, that you have to have some pretty good wordsmanship to be able to do that. You can't just say things like, yeah, I thought the visuals were good. I thought the, 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 the the choreography was fine. Like you can't do any of that. It's got to, you, you've got to bring something that is going to engage the readers and make them want to either check this out or trust your opinion or whatever. You know, it's also, it's not just about explaining the movie, but it's about you explaining it in a unique way that's compelling. People don't understand sometimes the, the art and the ability that
0: that takes. Well, then on top of that, you have to go to your fourth movie of the day. So you've oh. been watching movies for six, seven, eight hours that day. And you can't hold that fourth movie. Like you can't hold it against that fourth movie. Yeah. The fact that you've just been sitting and staring and writing and doing that wordsmanship. Cause you're going to have to do some of that while you watch a movie, they have mm-hmm. to take like little notes. You know, they're not sitting there typing on a laptop during the movie, but you know what I mean? They might, they're going to jot some stuff down though, because yeah. unless you're typing your entire article between movies, you've got to go back and think about it. You know, sometimes, and so then on top of it, if it's just like, especially back in the day, the only thing you might've eaten all day is fucking popcorn and nachos and just drinking a fucking soft drink <laughs> all fucking day. And you might be tired and all this other stuff. But back in the day, we didn't have coffee at movie theaters. You know what I mean? So you're just fucking surging through it on sheer will alone, but then have to have the journalistic integrity to not hold it against that last movie that you're just fucking tired. Man. Yeah, I struggle with that aspect of it sometimes watching one movie a day for this fucking podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, like I had a shitty week at work, but it's Saturday. Let me not, you know, bring my personal life into watching this movie for my one movie that week. And they've got to do that shit with four. Now, don't get me wrong. They luck out a little bit, especially back in the day, because that might actually be that's their all their work for a week done in one day. But then you got to do it the next week. And then you got to do it the next week. And then you got to do it the next week. It's, it does wear on you. You know what I mean? Like you can love movies all you want, but I don't want to sit in a movie theater for eight hours, especially not old ones. Nowadays, it's a little easier. You know, seats are better. The food's better at theaters. You know, be like, all right, this movie, I'm eating a pepperoni pizza. You know what I mean? Like you can get some variety and some things, you know. You can change it up a little bit, but you couldn't do that back in the day. You had hot dogs, nachos, popcorn, a pickle if you felt crazy. (laughs) Yep. You know, got some dibs. Remember dibs? Oh, dibs.
1: Yes. How could I forget
0: them? I mean, I guess you could eat candy, but dear God, how much candy can a person eat? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then on top of that, like, yeah, well, the movie theater are like, well, your paper would cover everything. That's like a, a ton of money if you're just like eating like that every day, you know. There's there's a balance to it all, and 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 that's and, and going back to what we were talking about though with the stuff that this is like what the old hat generation doesn't really remember or think about now. You know, that it's, it's all the well the way it used to be. Okay, well, it's now, so. How about you do something for now? Yeah. And I think and that's why the uh
1: the actor, sorry, the that's why the um the actor from Shang-Chi, Simu Lu, made kind of a good point too. Like about how when he was kind of talking about, you know, if Quentin Tarantino and all of these people were the the gatekeepers for what makes a good movie or a quality movie or movie stars and all this stuff like that. I probably wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to be a movie star. You know, I wouldn't have gotten this opportunity. So, you know, he made a strong point too. And that's the thing too, like all that back and forth kind of stuff, like now people catch on. I think that's a product of today too. You could have probably just said that in an interview or something, and you may have gotten maybe one or two people might've responded to something like that, or maybe nobody at all. But nowadays you got these young actors and actresses and stuff like this. And they're like, man, I'm going to tell you how it is. Like <laughs> I-, I would give you a piece of my mind. How about this right here? You wouldn't have given me Asian man, any opportunity to be in no $600 million movie. So yeah, you, yeah, I respect you and everything, man. But now, nah, man, you can't put me down, man. You can't put down, the quality of these movies when they're giving other people opportunities.
0: Like I was like, damn, okay, Shane Chi. All right. And on top of that though, if, if Quentin Tarantino, like my personal feeling about it, if Quentin Tarantino had directed a movie like Shane Chi, you would have had something, you know, one of those terrible racial characters that he would have been like, no, you have to lean into it
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: it's the accurate way of doing it. You know, if he'd done a Wonder Woman book, he would have done, like, a Fu Manchu as the villain. Like... Yep. <laughs> just yep. The, those terrible fucking things, like... And he... Because he's done that before. He's done that in his movies. Like, it was a stylistic choice then, and some people let it slide, some people haven't. But, like, I don't know. I'd, I don't really enjoy watching a Quentin Tarantino movie anymore just because... I just know at some point in the movie he's going to be in it as a rapist that says the n word nine times.
1: Yep, and there's going to be some feet. You know, we would have had to seen. <laughs> you know, we would have had to sit through um, Aquafina's feet or some shit. So
0: <laughs> they would have been driving through that forest that's changing, and it's just Aquafina's feet sliding around in the dashboard nonstop. Yep. Yep. But I mean, oh. and to say all that, too, my the thing I love, though, that I think is the most adaptive thing is TV. Because TV, mm. they're throwing out so much shit between, you know, all the normal networks and normal cable television outlets and your streaming services and everything. There's so much TV out there that it's adaptive because it's just there's always something new. You can't yeah. really rest on your laurels anymore like they used to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, you have the older generations kind of keeping certain television models still going. You know, like your big cable network TV shows, like your law and order SVUs and your NCISs and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they get their audience from that. But, like, everything else is so there's so much more shit out there that you, you didn't used to get. And I think that that's why TV is really good at adapting now. Like even then they're, they're not afraid to swing some of those times. I mean, you know, with when, when, when current cultural, uh, like big cultural uh, moments happen and that those change things, they'll change story arcs in a television show for it. Because it's filming, you know, two weeks, that episode's filming two or three weeks after that shit happened. So they're like, "Ah, it might be two or three weeks late, but we'll throw it in there. You know? Yeah. And that's what's, you know, kind of crazy about some of the stuff. And that's why I think television is kind of the most fun thing sometimes. Like, there's just, there's such a huge variety of it. And even then, like, as much as I, you know, I'm burned out on Marvel and we've talked about that shit, I've liked almost every Marvel TV show though. I'm burnt out yeah. on Marvel, but I love watching Marvel television.
1: Yeah. It feels like they're, they've got a little more freedom and a little more leeway and it doesn't seem as pivotal to fit all of these things into this small runtime. And, and it just feels like they're and the characters are not. They're like, oh, these look at these big like television characters that you that that you have to see and develop. It feels like with some of those projects, like She Hulk, they can have a little fun, and I think it does serve the 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 quality of those narratives a little better. Like that they're a little more creative when it comes to those. It feels like.
0: And on top of that, though you're you're getting some of this stuff like like Kevin Costner, he's in that Yellowstone show. Like one of the biggest movie stars ever, and he's doing television. You know, like it's a real thing now. Like television isn't a death sentence. Television is like a revitalizer now.
1: It is, and and honestly. When you think about a lot of actors and you ask the question, well, where have they been? Why haven't they been on the screen? Eight times out of ten, they're probably doing some TV stuff. You know, they're doing some HBO stuff. They're doing some, you know, if you're a lot of times when even when you're thinking about, well, I haven't seen this person on the screen in a while or in movies in a while. You probably will
0: find them somewhere on TV. They're probably doing some TV project. And the crazy thing is now, too, is HBO doesn't even dominate that anymore. Because, like, nope. like, HBO used to be, oh, you're a film actor? Well, you'll do an HBO series for six episodes, like a mini series, You'll do an HBO project because it's HBO. These people are now doing shit on, like, AMC. They're doing shit on Netflix. They're doing shit on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Like, these people are doing shit on other things now. You know, before his fall from grace, did you ever think you would see Kevin Spacey on a TV show? No. Yeah. And then he did House of Cards. You know. True. Brian Cranston, who rose to popularity in uh, Breaking Bad, you know, he's done some movie projects and all this other stuff, but then he's also gone back and, you know, done some, like, television projects and some miniseries here and there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a big thing now. And it's really just kind of interesting to watch all that happen and the quality of shit you get. Like I've been watching that show uh, suits lately. I, I never watched it when it was on and I've been watching it on uh, peacock and it's got fantastic acting. God, I love it. It's fantastic.
1: A friend of mine used to watch that show. And he always told me about it. He was like, you need to watch this, Justin. And I never got around to it. And now you're watching it and saying the same
0: thing. Like, he loved that show, though. And, like, my thing is with it is it's everything I would love in a TV show. It's, like, fun legal shenanigans. Like, there's, like, legal quandaries and all this other stuff. I like it because it pulls it out of the criminal justice area. Hmm, okay. Which is where I used to love all that stuff and I still kind of do, but I see more problems in that now. You know, uh John Oliver on last week tonight did uh one of his episodes on how people have confused what our actual justice system is because of shows like Law & Order. Hmm. You know. And it's it's kind of tainted and ruined like people's perspectives of what reality is when it comes to our actual criminal justice system. But I still love lawyer shenanigans. I love that legalese, you know, logic game. You've got to just outsmart the other person in a court of law like shit. I love that shit still. And so this is, is, is the world of corporate law. So I don't have that quandary of, is this ruining reality for the criminal justice system when people are going to jail because of shit they watched on television? I don't have to have that quandary about it. I just get to enjoy that legal bullshit that I love. You know, just snarky lawyers being snarky lawyers. and I love it. And when they were like, they win, it's that big legal victory of, haha, fuck the other lawyer. Oh, it's great. So like, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, and, it, and it, we live in that really cool time. My cat just loves being in the way today. Um, we, live yeah, in that, he does. <laughs> we live in that really cool time of that show went off the air three years ago. And I was able to watch it from the beginning, just like going, uh, oh, let me watch this. Oh God. What a time to be alive. Which is
1: great. Like me, I finished. I finally finished six feet under, and I get what you're saying about that ending. Yeah, that fuck was yeah. pretty damn cool. That was that was pretty damn cool how they did that ending.
0: I was like, huh. Tied it all up. All right. Fuck this episode. Let's no, just hands. talk about that. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things. Like I, I on TikTok today. Somebody had posted a clip of Oz. When I'm finished with Suits, I'm going to go back to watch Oz again. I'm like, you know what? I haven't watched Oz in a while. That just reminded me of its greatness.
1: (laughs) See? God. And see, I watched Oz, I think, early last year. I rewatched it. Still loved it. I'm thinking about going back to Sopranos. But there are other shows I need to watch too. But man, I'm always like down for Sopranos because I just love that show. But I still got to watch Deadwood. I got to watch. There are other shows I really need. Other HBO shows I missed. But yeah, I totally get where you're coming from with that. Though it's just such good shit, man.
0: I get I'll it. Like like I said, I'm watching a new show now. But like, I haven't rewatched a show in a little while. Like truly sat down and rewatch. Like I've got those shows I put on in the background. You know, I've got those. Mm, yeah. But like some of these more serious shows that I watch, watch, like I haven't gone and rewatched one in a little bit and I'm like, it needs to be Oz, but I'm worried. I'm kind of worried about watching Oz. Cause if I watch Oz, I'm going to watch Sopranos. If I watch Sopranos, I'm going to watch the wire. I'm going to like spend the next two months just watching HBO shit. Cause if I watch the wire, I'm going to watch six feet under. And then if I watch six feet under, I'm probably going to then have to watch Carnival. And the, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to get in this downward spiral <laughs> of just all these HBO shows I need to watch.
1: Yeah. Cause once you start, man, it, it's, you know, HBO is kind of like what, what the Pringles commercial used to say. Like you pop, you can't stop. It's kind of true. You just go down a rabbit hole. Like I stumbled on a video on YouTube and this was like just a few days ago. And it was like every single death in the wire. And it was like a 45 or it was like a 35 or 40 minute YouTube video. And I watched every single death and I was like, oh, damn, I forgot that one. Oh, yeah, that one. That was crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, that one. Wow. That one. And like it was every single I'm talking every single death in that movie. Every single death, like the, the snot death at the beginning where they're sitting there and he's like, the guy's name was snot. Like that, that's where it starts. Like, you know, even the people you don't see die, but they're just showing up to, because this person died and stuff like that. Every single death. And I watched that video because it's HBO shit. Like (laughs) it's crazy, dude, how good that stuff is. How addictive it is,
0: man! I am. I'm going to end up on a death spiral of HBO shit soon. (laughs) Anyway, let's let's move on to the movie. We've even gotten so far off topic. I don't even know if I can loop it back.
1: Yeah, we're we're not going to get back to the Rock or movie stars or any of it. We can. We can loop
0: it back because that's HBO shit, which is owned by Time Warner, who owns DC that makes the rocks that made Black Adam. Looped it all the way back.
1: Bam, bam, yeah. But you're right. Before we spend <laughs> the runtime of Avatar two talking about this other shit and HBO, yeah.
0: Here's yeah. the theme song. Somebody listen to me. Nobody knows
1: anything
0: but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Justin. No, Heather, because Heather never watched the first Avatar, and Heather had no interest in watching the second Avatar, so it is what it is. No, Heather. Um, if you didn't get from like that intro we just did with Heather just being mysteriously quiet the whole time, Uh, officially this is me breaking the news (laughs) that there is no Heather on this episode. Uh, But we are here to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with avatar 2: the way of the water or the way of water, or it's just avatar, the way of water. I don't know. It's the second (laughs) avatar movie and it's got some water shit. Uh, We will go recommend, uh, we will go spoiler free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler centric section with time codes in the description of both the podcast and YouTube to allow you to jump around if you so require. And with all that, let's just change the whole script while we're at it. I'll start the non-spoilers. Okay. We'll flip it let's since go. it's just you and me. Cool, um, Non-spoilery. I mean, the movie's beautiful. I can't take that away from it. It's It's a beautiful fucking movie. Like supposedly water is one of the hardest things to do when it comes to CGI and stuff like that. It looks great. The hair looks great. The skin looks great. The textures look great. I mean, at one point, they're doing some, like, you know, Navi shit. And, like, they zoom in on, like, one of the characters, like, think stomach while they're doing something. And you even see, like, tiny little hairs on the stomach. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And, you know, they've got the, the one human kid. And he's interacting with the environment just like the CGI characters are. It's a beautiful movie. And then you get to the story of the movie. I'm not going to say it doesn't have a story. It does. It's And it's at least got a different story than the first movie. Because the first movie was just other movies. <laughs> yeah. And so this one is at least has its kind of own story to it ish. Yeah. At the same time, it's the most vanilla bland story that's ever fucking been written. I mean, if you were to ask me what vanilla looked like in movie form, it's the story of this movie. (laughs) Like the first movie you could argue had flavor. It was just like, bag cereal flavor because you had had it done before and this was just mimicking those things. You know, it was mimicking Dances with Wolves. It was mimicking uh, Pocahontas. In a lot of ways, it was also mimicking The Last Samurai. And if you didn't, you know, catch the theme of that, it also kind of just encompassed white savior in sci-fi intergalactic blue people form this movie at least kind of gets away from that. Kinda. I think it's still there in the background, like sneaking, like it's in a trench coat, hiding in the corner, watching you, <laughs> just hoping you don't notice it. Cause the lights are dim. It's still kind of there, but it's, it's at least kind of got some uniqueness to it. But it's insanely easy to predict what's going to happen. You're not really surprised by anything. And then there are story elements in it that I just vastly disagree with. There's some design choices they've done with some stuff in the movie. I mean, this isn't a spoiler. There's like some submarine things that kind of look like crabs. And I kind of get that, except for the crab submarines to go into the water, they like grabbed a pole and swung out into the water. And I'm like, that's the most inefficient way to like put a sub in the water. Like (laughs) wouldn't it just like jump off? Like, why does it have to grab a pole? Like it's an actual crab. Like that's a weird (laughs) design choice. If that was made in real life. So like you had those elements that would weirdly jar me in, in those regards. But then my biggest issue with it is the way it told its bland-ass vanilla story. Every time they did a scene in this movie, it was preceded or followed by like no less than one and a half to two minutes of establishing shots or like exit shots. They couldn't just have a scene. It had to be like have a a visual setup and then a visual exit every time. Yeah. So if the scene Look at these look at these
1: graphics
0: yeah. shots. <laughs> I mean, this is the definition of a tech demo movie. Yep. You want to see <laughs> yep. what our computers are capable of producing as far as movie graphics go? This is the future and it's now. If you want anything else look for another fucking thing. I mean, it's just what, and I, I get that it's got a simple story, but I think that that's unfair to simple stories because what makes a simple story work in a movie is how efficiently it's told throughout the movie. You've got a simple story. You tell it in an hour and a half maybe an hour and 45 minutes if you're crazy. You don't tell it in three hours and 11 minutes. (laughs) Because then you're just dragging out your simple story and you never get anything new with it. You know, why does John Wick work? Because I think the longest one is two hours long. You know what I mean? Like the longest, it don't, it's got a simple story, you know, guy gets married, wife gets cancer, she gives him a dog, she dies, it turns out he's an assassin. Somebody kills the dog, so he kills him. Simple ass story. You know, that's like such a simple story, you can even make like a short 10 minute movie off of it. You know what I mean? You can make like a little short movie on it. They did a, an elongated story. It's still what, like an hour and 40 minutes? The first one, you know what I mean? It's. They're still efficiently telling the story. This one has the same type of story. And it's three hours and 11 minutes long. And it's not like other movies that are this long or around this length. Hold on one second. My cat's going crazy over here. Hold on. Okay. Anyway, he's getting into something he shouldn't, so I had to stop. Okay, so (laughs) look at Avengers Endgame. That's not really a complex story. Because it's the ending, it's the culmination. All the information you need is in the other movies. Mm -hmm. You're just tying those together and ending it. It's very long, and I know I have issues with its length, but it at least necessitates a longer movie length because while it has a simple story, it's got a lot of plot points. You know, there are multiple things. It's kind of like if you're taking a highway trip across America, you know, there's, there's like ways you can do it where you're pretty much just like one long straight line across the country. It's a very simple drive. But you have to take a lot of stops for gas. You know what I mean? you got to make your stops to get your gas to get there. This movie, on the other hand, it feels like you're driving a distance of maybe 60 miles. But you stop every five minutes of driving to film a half-hour movie. And then you get back in and drive for five minutes and then shoot another half-hour movie and you do it all for the 60 miles. So it's an hour long drive turns into like 3 days. Like that's what this movie does to me. It's it's got some plot points in it. But from where the movie starts and where the movie ends, not that much distance is really traveled narratively speaking. It just took so long to get there because they had to do another montage of, oh, look how we interact with these animals. Look how we interact with these surroundings. You know, the same things we got in the first movie. So it's very weird like that. Like, it's done like a sequel, but then done like a reboot. But then at times is kind of like sometimes a bad sequel of a video game where the first one was like kind of interesting and good or whatever. But when they make the sequel, it's just the same game, but with kind of like newer shit. Like devil may cry two is a really good example. They mm, took the first yeah. game and they just redid it. But the problem was, is they didn't change enough about it. So if you were good at the first game, when you started playing devil may cry two, it was just a nothing game. Because you were like, oh, you didn't even up the difficulty. So it's just a (laughs) sheer continuation. And you're just like knocking through things left and right. Like it's a fucking nothing. You know? But it's, you know, the same. Like, so it's... This movie is very weird like that. But then, like I said, visually amazing. Like... I will say this, this movie made me care more about the visuals than I thought I was going to. Because going into it, I was like, okay, it's going to look good, but it's going to be nothing, whatever. And it was. But I ended up caring about how much it looked good more than I thought I would. Because I was like, it's just going to look good. Who cares? Then when you start seeing some of the detail, you're like, man, that really is incredible. Like, everybody had different hair. And everybody's hair interacted differently with the water? It's like, man, that's crazy awesome. I'm never going to watch this movie again, though. Never. I might watch a scene here and there if it's on something else. You know what I mean? Like, if there's like a YouTube clip, it's like, hey, watch this, you know, whale scene again cool, I'll watch the whale scene, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm never really going to go, let me watch Avatar 2. Because it it is too much like the first movie in that regard. I know you rewatched Avatar going into this. I didn't. And I haven't watched Avatar in 12 years. Like, I was a little confused at, at some times because of the shit I forgot. But I picked it up enough, I think. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a person. Like, you know, some of the human characters that were there. I was like, oh, yeah, they existed. I forgot about that. And then when, like, the way, you know, the bad guy dies in the first movie. Completely forgot how that happened. This movie reminded me of it real quick. (laughs) So, you know, like, it reminded me of what I needed to know. So I don't feel completely gypped. Oh, I shouldn't use that word shit. If anybody wants to know, that word's a bad word. I feel bamboozled, I should say. Uh, but yeah, no. I just, this movie is just incredibly confusing to me. Because while I hated all the narrative parts, and I know that that's one of the things I am the most critical about at times. Like, if you want to hear me be critical about a story, go listen to our fucking bones and all episode that we our last fucking one and that's a big hang up for me but at the same time i wasn't really expecting this to have that much story so maybe my expectations were tempered enough to where going in that aspect doesn't bother me as much as it would in another movie but it still bothers me a lot And I don't care how good you look. In the end, you know, that's not what matters. Looks fade, as they say. You know. You got to go for that depth. This is one of those movies like, you know, you do the one night stand. I watched it once. That's all I need. Not going to marry it. What about you, Justin?
1: Yeah, I definitely get some of that. Like, I think that's really just been the calling card of Avatar. What made the first one such a rousing success was not the white savior narrative that we've seen a million times. It was the visuals. It was the 3D it was that it was the advent of sort of like having this visual style and mixing it with 3d and bringing sort sort of something that we felt kind of had reached its limit and bringing it back and showing, but look, when you have these graphics and with this 3d, look at the visuals that you get. And, Sometimes what visuals can do is they can make for a very immersive experience, especially like with 3D and stuff like that. So Avatar became more than just a movie. It was an experience. And that's what we ultimately pay for with things. You know, that's usually the biggest separator from like, a uh, 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 a movie that a lot of people like to just a movie a few people like hell that 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 that, that separates like a, a a regular NFL game you're watching from like one of those just great games that like you'll never forget and stuff like that where just all this epic stuff happened and there were just these visuals and the players' faces and you can remember like certain details of the game and it's like man I will never forget how this game made me feel. Well, I think Avatar, why the first one is the highest grossing movie is because they created an experience with those visuals. It was never a great story. And like rewatching the movie, I I think I I was able to like double down on that. Like it, it really is an egregious white savior narrative. But even still, going back and watching that old movie, I was like, even still, watching it, I was like, damn, man, this still kind of looks good. Like, the graphics didn't look hella dated. Like, it didn't look like something that was made, what, what did we, 15? 13 years. 13 years ago? It didn't look 13 years. It didn't look like, it didn't look PS2 to, to PS5. It didn't look quite like that either. So I think that's a testament to the visuals and how they made for that to be such an immersive experience at the time. So going into this second one, I guess what I expected was, okay, The the you're not going to be able to create the awe-inspiring visuals, I thought, that you did in the first movie to make everything just ride on how this looks visually. You're going to have to tell a better story. You're going to have to come with something with a little more depth, as you put it. You're going to have to come with something that's a little more compelling as a story. And again, I I think this movie just does kind of, in a lot of ways, what that first one did. And you already said it. It's got these amazing immersive, just very detail-oriented visuals. And the visuals do look amazing and you can't take your eyes off of them. And that will get you through the three-hour runtime. Like there's always something interesting to look at. So that can sometimes help um, an experience last longer. You know, if there's always kind of, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that. But after a while, what happens is like a a trainer told me this story for wrestling. And I think it's appropriate to, to to tell here like uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard. I love you, man. Uh, You know, I don't know. Like I'm acting like he's going to listen to this, but if anybody knows Dr. Tom Pritchard, very popular wrestling trainer used to work for the WWE. He trained the people like the rock and stuff like that. So Dr. Tom Pritchard is a very prominent name in pro wrestling circles. And he was a very good wrestler himself. Well, he told this story during training about two elephants. Like the first time the family drives by and they see these two elephants having sex. Right. And he's like, oh, look at those two elephants fucking. And, the and you know, the family drives by and it's like, wow, man, can you believe that two elephants were fucking? Then the second time they drive by and they're like, man, those elephants, man, they're still going at it uh, and everything like that. And then he said, you know, but then some time passes and now we're on the third day and now the family drives by and they're like, look, there go those elephants fucking again. And I think that analogy perfectly like describes this movie after a while. You're like, oh, man, the graphics, the graphics, the graphics, the graphics. And it looks amazing. But after a while, you start, that starts to become routine. And then you start noticing the flaws of the story. You start noticing that there are, I think, too many characters in this. And why do I say that? Because you couldn't develop all of these characters or make them all compelling in a certain way. And I think maybe if you had less of them, maybe you could have done that. So there are characters that get sacrificed to the altar, sort of, of what this is. Then the movie develops certain characters that I just think are side characters. And they get more development than some of the sort of people, human, Pandoran characters. Characters that we have in here. And I questioned some of those decisions. Like why is this animal thing getting more? Why am I understanding more character? Why am I getting more character development from this animal than what I'm than, than what I'm getting from some of these human characters and family members and stuff like that. You had a chance to make this villain and, and and then it's a family story and I think that that's the most vanilla bland thing about it. This is a very much a family story where you have this not like oh, it's fun for the family type of thing although I think that was part of the marketing of this is that we've got to have a a, a big family of pandorans you know jake's family's gonna be this big family and we've got to have somebody represented for every age group you you can just tell they were very smart about how they did this like there's got to be a kid that represents this there's got to be a kid that's got to be this there's got to be a kid that's got to be this there's got to be a a a kid that's got to be this very very smart on how they did the family, so to speak. Well, There's somebody that represents just about everybody in a nuclear family.
0: And it's the most cookie-cutter way of doing it, too.
1: Exactly. Like,
0: you've got, like, well, their oldest is a boy, and the second oldest is a girl, and the third is a boy, and the youngest is a girl. Like, it's... Yeah. yeah. It's just so in order. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's just... Y- yeah. The atypical, like... The firstborn's a son, and then they had a daughter. And like, yeah, I know technically, you know, whatever, they didn't have the daughter. But they adopt, you know what I mean? But still, it's like you said, they've got one kid that's adopted. They've got one kid that's not. They've got the outcast. They've got this. They've got the random just friend that's a human. So they've got the, you know, in an in an old 90s TV show, it's essentially the token minority character. They've got yep. that character in the, in the human kid. You know what I mean? So it's it really is, like you said, the most... Buy the book. Let's hit every family demographic like demographic possible.
1: Yeah, it's that's what it is. So, you know, so you're sitting down watching this and you're a kid or you're this family or whatever. Those things are relatable, I guess, in that way. But I just wish we had done like you said. But but the story sort of plays out, like you said, it's predictable. Because you kind of know what every character is. You kind of understand what they are. And then the film, the storytelling is not nuanced enough or innovative enough to do anything different with those pieces. So you kind of know what every character is. The outcast character trying to find where they belong. the, 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 The younger sibling trying to prove themselves. The... The the outcast is misunderstood. I mean the 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 kid that's just squeaky and is <laughs> just <laughs> around to look cute and hardly does anything useful. Like it's all there. It, it's it's pretty much all there. If you've seen these family dynamics in movies, that's pretty much exactly what you get here. So again. We have a movie where the the biggest draw of it, the biggest, the, the best thing about it is how it looks. And then the story is just not. And I do think there were some opportunities to make this a little more nuanced and a little better. You had a you had the potential. The villain that they come up with in this just winds up sort of being a recycled version of the villain that we got in the first one. And my goodness, that was such a missed opportunity, like the way that they said, OK, this is who this person is and this is how we made this person. And this is what this person is. And I, I was ready for this to kind of go some directions where I didn't think it was going to go. And and they sort of touched on it a little bit. But man, they were too busy just trying to make him a cookie-cutter villain man when they really could have done some really cool stuff with that villain. And I, and I think you know what I'm talking about, and I'll explain it more when we get to spoilers. But, yeah, like, it it just felt like there were some opportunities to do something here. There were some opportunities to have a villain a little more compelling. There were some family dynamics you could have played with with this and maybe could have said something a little more compelling about families and everything like that. But it very much plays as a family that, you know, that sticks together, stays together and just all of those things and just kind of some of those similar family values that we get all the time is what it winds up being. So is it the worst thing ever to have that and have that in a story and stuff like that? No. It's not, you know, the story is not bad in any sort of way, really. It's not terrible. There's nothing ha- that it really happens that's just egregious necessarily, but you you just wish they had tried harder to tell a more compelling story, to tell a story not so predictable or a story where you practically see everything coming. So whenever there are moments of tragedy or moments of Things that are supposed to be heartwarming. I found it hard to completely invest because I just saw everything coming. And and, and and I felt like there were opportunities to do things a little different, but we didn't take those opportunities. So, yeah, I totally get what you're saying about the vanilla
0: aspect, flavor of this story. And I think that that's why vanilla works so well for this movie. Because vanilla is never offensive. Yep. True. It's 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 never, you're never like, oh, it's vanilla. You're just like, oh, it's vanilla. You know, where it could have been like, you know, dirt flavored. You know, like it could have been like rotten banana flavored. So I, I liked the way you said it. It's not bad. Because it's not like, that'd be a bad flavor. It's just a generic flavor. It's just, it's vanilla. Yeah. It's, it's how can we get the most people to like this at any given time? Exactly. That's not necessarily a bad thing in a movie because let's be real. Like movies have to make money. Yeah. So you want the most people to like your shit. Like I get it. It's just, if you're going to have a three-hour extravaganza of a movie, it at least needs to be French vanilla. (laughs) Yeah. It can't be basic-ass regular vanilla. Yeah,
1: throw some vanilla beans on that shit or something. Exactly. It can't be,
0: (laughs) you know, great value brand vanilla extract. It needs to be like authentic Made from vanilla bean vanilla extract. You know, it's 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 just going to have that little bit extra. But this is vanilla. Yeah. And it's a very there, mild vanilla too. Yeah.
1: If, if there was as much detail in the story and development of the characters as there were in the visuals
0: of this, this would be the greatest movie of all time. And I think that that's one thing that sucks about it. It's like, it's not that they weren't paying any attention to detail. They just focused on that one type of detail. You know? And like, so like in the end, like to me, this is like McDonald's soft serve ice cream. It's technically vanilla flavored, but it's the (laughs) most mild of vanillas. Like they just kind of held the ice cream next to a vanilla bottle and waft some of the fumes onto it. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, recommendations and scores? Yeah.
1: And score!
0: That started in the middle. Let's try that one again.
1: Recommendations <laughs> and score!
0: I'll start it. Um, I mean, I don't know if I should recommend it or not just for the sheer fact that like so many movies, if you want to see this, you're going to, you know, if you don't want to see it, you're not kind of like how Heather's not here. She had no interest. It didn't matter if I recommended or not. Really? I don't think she'd really want to see it. You know, it's not like anybody was saying the first avatar sucked. So like. You know, the first Avatar got a ton of praise. and That still didn't will her to want to see that movie. So what really could I say about this one that's going to go like, oh, well, that changes everything. Let me watch the Avatar franchise now. You know, it is what it is at this point. And I like what you said, Justin. It's a, it's an event. You know, it's it's a spectacle. It's... One of those things that, you know, in a lot of ways, you have to see it to believe it. And I think if you are going to watch this movie, do yourself a favor and watch it in a theater. I don't care how good your TV is, it's not going to live up to that experience. So if you want to maximize, I mean, I'm not even saying you have to watch it in IMAX or any of that shit. Just watch it in at least a normal movie theater. At least get that, you know, get that Dolby Digital surround sound. You know, pre- precision, you know, calibrated speakers on on a screen that's formatted for all that. stuff. So just, you know, do that. You know, if not, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying if I watch this on my TV, I'd probably have no good things to say about it. So if you're going to watch it, watch it in theaters because that's, That's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. That's where you're going to maximize what you can enjoy from this movie. You know, outside of that, eh, it is what it is. I give this movie 50 whale swimming in some water Scenes out of a hundred, which I feel like there are no less than fifties scenes of whales swimming in water in this movie.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: So much of the runtime of this movie is dedicated to just whales swimming in some water.
1: Yeah. It's either 50 or 49 and a half, but it's, you're, you're pretty close. (laughs) You're pretty
0: close. So many whale scenes. Uh, What about you, Justin?
1: Yeah, I agree with what you said about watching this in the theater. Um, I do think that that's where there is an immersive part of the visuals and the experience that, yeah, you would have to be in the theater in order to enjoy this. Uh, There was a digital 3D showing on the epic screen. And I started, and even though I'm not like the biggest fan of 3D, I know your ass show wasn't going to watch it in 3D. I started to watch it in 3D so that we could have someone to speak from that perspective, just to give our opinions that perspective. And then at the last minute, I just kind of decided not to, or I think the times didn't line up. And I I was like, man, I'm not staying till two o'clock in the morning to watch this shit or something like that. I think somehow the times didn't line up, but I started to do it. But there are some people that are like, oh, I want to experience this like the first one. I want to go in and I want to watch it in 3D and all that kind of stuff. So there is some appeal to this in that way. You know, whether you're to watch it in the theater, to appreciate the visuals, to have that 3D experience because of the nostalgia of that and all of that kind of stuff so i kind of get some of that the i mean i can't really find a reason to not recommend it i mean the story is not bad enough for me to say you will hate this or you will if you hate shit about families then there might have to just be there might be a problem you have you know i don't know if i, I mean if you just hate families Tri- triumphing through love of family you might it could make there could just be something questionable about you you know i don't know how i could not recommend that or if there would be a person to sit here and sit there watching it and just hate what they're seeing it's hard to s- see that happening so you're not gonna well, hate what you
0: oh go ahead no i'm just gonna say you're looking at somebody that doesn't didn't necessarily love all the family-ness in this movie. <laughs> okay. But was it but was it like burning your skin? Like was it were you just sitting there going, "Oh, this family shit." I wasn't irate, but <laughs> I got just really fucking annoyed. Okay. Okay,
1: that's fair. But the thing is, Sterling is that I think that's uh, that also sort of speaks to its execute execution because when, because when it comes to Fair. something like the the Madrigal family, um, oh, my God, what's that movie called? Encanto. I, yeah, Encanto. I love When it comes some to Encanto. something like that, yeah, that was a family dynamic, but it was nuanced. They told the story in such a unique way. They 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 had such compelling personalities, and they had such a way of doing the family dynamic. And it was a lot of the same themes. A lot of the same shit about the family and triumphing together and that's shit true. like that.
0: Like but familial expectations and all those things. Like that does exist in this movie. They just suck at it. Yeah. It just wasn't, it was just not
1: as, it didn't taste as good as yeah. that movie was. All as right. that movie was. That, that, that's like that, that's like that ice cream that you try. You know, you try this one and they're like, oh, it's the newest one and it's expensive and look how it looks. And it's got all these, this, these, these other toppings that come with it or whatever. And you eat it and you go, you know what? This is, this is not terrible. This is, this is all right. You know, yeah, it looked cool and yeah. And everything like that. But you know what? That wasn't as good as this ice cream I brought last week. It didn't cost as much. It didn't have all the bells and whistles. It didn't have the celebrity on TV going, oh yeah, you need to buy this new ice cream shit. But you know what? It tasted better than this shit. And I spent more money on this. I spent, you know, I I spent more money on this.
0: I think I've got the best comparison for it. So like if this is vanilla ice cream, Encanto, weirdly enough, is just cookies and cream ice cream.
1: Where the base is the same.
0: It's still vanilla, mm-hmm. but somehow just the addition of, let's be real, Oreos. I know that they don't always say it's Oreos, but let's be real. It's Oreos. Yeah. Elevates it to where it feels genuinely like it's a different flavor. Mm-hmm. It's just vanilla ice cream with Oreos. Yeah. But somehow it tastes like something new just because of the Oreos in it. When it's still, yep. when it boils down to it is vanilla ice cream. Yeah. But it's that layer, that extra layer, that extra oomph. hmm That that gives it to where it's its own thing now. Like, yeah. if you really think about it, it's an Oreo blizzard, but then now they sell it at stores and it's like, you know, a huge ice cream flavor for most people. To where anywhere that has mix-ins into an ice cream always has an Oreo-type cookie because they know some people are going to want that cookies and cream.
1: Yeah, that was good. I like how you said that. And that's sort of what this is. You know, know, we've said 100 times, we're never going to tell you not to eat vanilla ice cream, but... We're just saying, man, you know you might wanna trust some of those other flavors at Basket Robbins, you know you might wanna you know the the there is there are some there are thirty other flavors that you you're missing out on, you know you, you 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 might find something that's a little bit better than just this, so that's all we're saying, but yeah i I mean but I can't not recommend it, so yeah, we'll recommend it. It's it's got the 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 great visuals. The visuals were a joy to look at most of the time. It's just the the story's too simple for it to be a great movie. I I, I there's n- you're never going to get me to say this is a great movie. It was a fine movie. It was a good movie. It was solid overall. I guess you could say, but it but but it doesn't have those Oreos, man. To be great, it does it doesn't have them. It ultimately. It doesn't have them when it comes to the story and that that's really where we are. So with that being said, we'll go, I don't know, 65 crushing your own skull,
0: uh, out of a hundred. That means this movie is officially a Cinescore of a 58. Okay. I'm going to head and round it up. Okay. So it is a 57.5, but yeah, 58. Why not? Cool. Uh, Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. I'm going to let you go first. I just want to bring up one thing. And I think it's the thing we kind of danced around a little bit with the villain. I am not a fan of the fact that they went, you know what? That villain from the first one was great. I wish we hadn't killed him. Nah, let's just resurrect him in an Avatar body. That's fine. Yeah. I was not a fan of that plot point. And then they did nothing with with it except hint at something that could have been amazing. Yeah. When he was bonding with his son and he'd like got onto that dragon thing and all this other stuff, I thought they might have him like that weird, like moment of consciousness where he's understands the Navi and understands why Jake Sully did what he did and would have that con that internal conflict. I'm not saying he had to turn good, but have that little bit of understanding and that internal conflict. And then on top of that, even use that against Jake. Like, yeah. I actually understand why you did what you did, but unlike you, I'm not changing for it but I'm going to use that against you. The only thing they really did is they're like, oh, he learned how to ride a dragon. So, yeah, but they hinted at that. they like, yeah. he's bonding with his son and that, you know, his son's respect for the nave, that he might like gain some understanding through that. And, you know, but still, he could still be the villain. You can still be the villain. Yeah. You know, yeah. he might understand the nave and all that other shit, But then go, but you know what? Jake fucking killed me. Yeah. I still want to fucking murder that man. Yeah. You can still have that. But they, and they hinted at it and they danced around it. And at first I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not going to end up hating that they just brought him back as an avatar. And then the movie just went. Nah, fuck all that development that we hinted at. That would have been interesting and dynamic and really fucking cool. Fuck all that basic ass villain shit again. Yep. End of exactly,
1: movie. exactly. And I and that was such a mistake. I mean, just like you're saying, like, and all that thing about yeah, well, you know, y- you've got all of his memories and everything like that. Well, this this motherfucker doesn't miss anything about his old life. He doesn't have like, you know, his, his son, there's not some part of him that is that, that could be changing because of this. Or like you said, learning the lifestyle of the Navi or like at this conflict about what his son has become and what he is. And, how maybe this is his fault, or there were so many things. There were so many avenues that they could have taken with this that would have been better than him just being the damn same. Even if there was like this jealousy that his son Spider had become like them and wasn't like him, like you're you're the father and the person that you, and your son has become more like the person that you inherently hate more than he is like you, like, or the conflict of the fact that you, the person that you hate took care of your son, took care of your son, the reason why your son is alive, because of the person that you hated. Man, there was so much we could have done with this villain, and we chose to just do the vanilla. You could have added some Oreos. You could have added some M&M's. You could have added some little, some little, uh, like, you could have added some almonds to this shit. You could have added any, any of those options were there for you. You didn't grab none of that shit. You just said, nah, we're just going to go with the same flavor right here.
0: Man, what a Man, mistake. It's like you went to Cold Stone Creamery and they got that vanilla ice cream and they put on that Cold Stone and they're like, all right, What are your mix-ins? And you go, man, I'm thinking maybe some Oreos. And they get that little spoonful of Oreos. And you go, wait, no, hold on. All right, no, no, Kit Kats. Uh, I'm in a Kit Kat mood. And they get that little spoon of Kit Kat. And you go, no, no, I should lay off that. I'm already eating ice cream. Let's just do fruit. Let's do some strawberries. So they get that little spoon of strawberries. And you go, ah, not really feeling strawberries. What about blueberries? And they get those blueberries. And you go, you know what? Let's not do any mix-ins. And they go, so just this vanilla ass ice cream that's sitting on the stone? And you go, yeah. And then they go, okay. And they're about to scoop it up. And you go, no, no. I want you to still flatten it out, dice it up, mush it around and do all that shit. <laughs> and then the, you go, well, but we only do that if there's mix ins. And then you go, no, no. Do it with my vanilla ice cream. And they do it, they go through the motions. And then they just give you your vanilla ass ice cream. and You go, yeah, cold stone. Love this place. Like, why are you going through these motions with it? Like, what if you, I, I, I like the point you brought up. Why can't his end motivation just be, you took me away from my son. Like my son is nothing like me now. My son doesn't understand me now. My son is like you and not like me. because of yeah. you, because of you. I am now what I hated that you became, also because of you. yeah. and like there are and those are basic things that even like jaded ass people like me would understand, and it's a level of nuance, it's a label, layer layer of intrigue it's a layer that when he survives at the end of the movie makes me care about him going into the third movie instead of it feeling like shredder at the end of one of the Ninja Turtles cartoons from the nineties, where of course he yeah. survives because you need a villain in the next episode. You know, all it felt like he was just going, "Ugh, you foiled my plan, Jake Sully, but I will get you next time. Like, that's how the end of this movie feels now. He's a cartoon fucking villain. You had a chance to actually edge towards something like Killmonger from Black Panther. And instead you went, nah, I need, I don't know, what's another shitty fucking comic book villain? Let's say the. Well, who are you gonna? Oh, say? I was, I, I was gonna
1: say. Well, wh- what was the, <laughs> what was the um, Red Adam, <laughs> Red Adam, fucking the 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 Sun Man, the from Superman, the I mean, man, you could just pick.
0: Oh, any oh, you Oh, t- uh, oh, from Superman Four, Solar Man, yes. <laughs> Or it could have been um, Richard Pryor from Superman 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Richard. You you make a nothing fucking villain. You make him turn into a fucking 90s cartoon villain. And you had, and they, hit, what pisses me off, and I, I don't think it would have bothered me as much, is if they hadn't hinted at it. If they hadn't shown that they thought about it, and then went, nah, we need to go more basic. Yeah. Like it was there and they got so close and then they just said, fuck it. Yeah. And there were so
1: many chances to have interactions with him and his son where he's trying to show his son that his way is more, is more appealing or that you shouldn't be like this son. You should be more like me. You should like these things and blah, blah, blah. And remember when we did this and he's not able to reach his son because his son has grown up with Jake you know with Jake Sully like I mean and he can't reach him and everything like that and there's this conflict of well, but your my son survived and that could have been a conversation he had with spider and spider been like the only reason I'm alive is because of Jake and there could have been this conflict and all of this stuff then that moment where he thinks his son is going to die. And he's like, no, don't kill my son. God, that would have been such a a much stronger moment if you had developed this character more. But it doesn't line up in the movie we got. It doesn't because you're taking him on this dangerous mission in the midst of this war. And you don't seem to care about his well-being almost this entire time. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, don't kill him. I care about him. Nah, son, you don't get to do that shit. We should have saw that shit the whole time. We should have saw that conflict the whole time. The only time they skimmed around it and hinted at it, like you said, was when Spider was in that brain machine and it was, and he could tell it was torturing his brain and everything. And he said, hey, why don't we stop that and do something? uh, uh, Let me try to come at him a different way from a more, you know, human way and stuff like that. And so you got the sense that on on that there may have been a side of him that just didn't want to see his son suffer like that. But you gotta like develop those things. You gotta have development of those things. We gotta see more in, in instances of that. You can't just have it at the beginning, have it at the end and say we did
0: that shit. Yeah, and then you can have him like have him and Spider have those moments like that they they were on the cusp of with it too, like with that whole like dragon scene where he's like, well, Jake mm-hmm. Sully did it at once. I'm going to do it all at once or do it the hard way or whatever the fuck they called it. And then you could have had Spider like gain some respect for his father. Yeah. And be more yeah. willing to interact with him. You could have had some scenes where instead of showing us like, you know, some whales swimming for, you know, the next half hour, show some scenes where he's like, Teaching Spider like the human way, like that human military way of doing things. Like this is how you fire a weapon. This is how you clean a gun. This, This is what my life was. Yeah. Show him that stuff. You know, those little things or have Spider like, you know, be like, well, show me how they do this. Like the Nave do this and do that. And like, you know, those little things to where he's gaining knowledge from. Spider and as he's doing it, Spider's actually gaining respect for him because he realizes that his dad's not against necessarily the Nave ways. It's you know like little things like that you that you could build up layers upon, and then have like Spider do something that's like really kind of cool or interesting or something like that, and his dad realize, oh wow, my son can do that. Like what else have I missed? Yeah, and then yeah. Then then gained a little bit of resentment because he's like, because Jake Sully taught him that. And Jake Sully killed me. And not me. And not me. And then he gains a little bit more resentment and little things like that. Like, so that way, when you get to that scene where he's trying to be that hard military man and all these other things, and then he's like, no, don't kill my son, it's earned. It makes sense you see the development of how it got there because you don't really get that. And it feels out of character at that point. Like I know it's not necessarily out of character for a father to do that, but it's out of character for that father to do it. Yeah. Because he lost the upper hand in a, in a like a strategic way because of that. And you, you don't really get the sense that he's willing to give up a strategic advantage. He's willing to let anybody die and all this other bullshit to keep that advantage and to keep the press on and all these things. So it's really kind of, it really kind of sucks whenever they do that. Especially when the groundwork is there. They just didn't do any of the work to build it. They'd rather give us so many scenes of swimming whales. God. Yeah.
1: Just so many. And that was another thing. That was mind-boggling. I'm glad you went to the whales because that's a perfect segue. Why did a whale get more character development and and origin story and everything than some of these other characters that you introduced in the family and stuff like that? I didn't really understand that. I was feeling more for that whale than I was for some of these families. I felt more for that whale than I did for the older brother that was killed. And that's exactly. sad. And,
0: and the, that's sad. <laughs> the thing is, is that whale has more story than the, the son that you're supposed to care about because he dies. Exactly. And then also and, and the youngest feel, daughter. And that's,
1: yeah, yeah. And the youngest daughter. Those were the two that I was like, I don't care much about him because the movie didn't give me much to care about him. That they were just one note one-track characters older son doing things right taking responsibility when he really shouldn't you're the older brother you know where and the father constantly has telling him you're the older brother take care of everything you're the older brother take care of everything that was the only that character had no arc that character was just the same he was alive and then he was dead i guess that was his arc but why was i caring more about this whale than i was This outcast whale that just had this incredible story. And I'm caring more about this whale than I am this Oh, the brother that died that was a direct member of Jake Sully's family. Crazy to me.
0: And on top of that, this movie did the worst job of telegraphing that he was going to die in the history of ever. Mm. Because once you get to the point to where you identify what children are getting story arcs, you go, well, one of these two is going to die, and you know it's not going to be the small child. Yep, exactly. It was just by process of
1: elimination. You knew the younger brother wasn't going to die because the movie was too focused on him.
0: They developed was the, the fuck they, out of him.
1: Yeah, like, they developed him like crazy. That, that The movie loved him, but that older brother, you could tell he was expendable. You could just tell. And, man, if they had developed him... If he had gotten more time than that whale, man, dude, maybe we, I would have felt something when he died. But it just felt like, well, I was just sitting there going, well, I knew somebody had to die because there were just too many family members. Like, ah, that, that was the only thought I could have about it was that, okay, yeah, he was the right one because you have two brothers already. You know, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Now it's bad to them. Yes, they're a family and shit like that. I get that. But I'm just saying, narratively, what this movie gave me, those were the only thoughts I could conjure during that time. I was like, man, dude, I should feel, I wasn't feeling anything. And I was sitting there going, I should feel so much more for this
0: character. But what did the movie give me? What did it give me? It's And it's weird too, because like, He felt like the sacrificial character because you already had another one of him in this movie, i.e. Jake Sully. Like, you already had Jake. You didn't need Mm -hmm. small Jake that was doing the exact same thing. I mean, it, and that's kind of sad. Like, it should have been more emotionally impactful. There should have been scenes where, you know, if you're going to devote time to all this stuff devote a little bit more time at the beginning of the movie when they're like, yeah, then we started having kids because he was the first one. Yeah. Like show that. Yeah. Show them, you know, just experiencing what it was like to have the one kid and the bond that was created and why he's so much like his father like that or any little thing, just something. But dude, they, they gave that whale so much development and it's crazy. Because the whale story was just like the rebellious brother story. I mean, they had the exact same mark, but we got it twice. Yeah. And it's. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I get that. You know, and I get why. Because they're like, that's why they they bonded and they, you know, were so alike, you know, and all these other things. But like, there was just nothing to that other brother. Other than it was like, yes, sir. No, sir. I'm the oldest. I'm going to do. He didn't even have the scene where he's like buckling because it's so much pressure because his dad always expects the right thing out of him yeah you know they kind of tried to allude to it where they were like oh you know better than that but he was always just like yes sir you're right i do know better than that and he's like that's why i expect and he's like exactly that's why you should expect more like nothing like he's not caving into it and like They didn't even have a scene where him and the younger brother like fight because, you know, the younger brother's like, you don't know what it's like. He's like, I don't know what it's like, but you don't know what it's like to be me. The one that always has to be on, on, you know, in top form. The one that always has to be perfect. Like you're allowed to screw up and they'll forgive you. I don't feel like I even have that luxury. I don't even have the luxury, let alone that you screw up. I can't screw up either. Yeah. You know, they didn't even have that. They just had the, well, you're the good brother. Yeah, and you're the bad brother. Yeah. Like, that was, every conversation they had was like that. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, let's go do some bad brother shit. And the good brother's like, but we shouldn't. And the other one goes, yeah, we should. And they go, okay. But then it's okay, because, like, it was just that over and over again. You know? And it just never really felt real like yeah. as much as like they devoted to like this being that family-centric story it's like they haven't like any of the writers on this movie it's like they hadn't done anything or seen anything with families past 1993 <laughs> yeah yeah and it's sad cuz two of the writers on this Wrote the first two of the the new Planet of the Apes trilogy. Oh, wow. They've got it in them. And they just did. I don't don't know what, like, I don't know if, like, they had a nice condensed story and it just got stretched over such a long time that it just, like, gets muddled or what. But, like, you know, you look at that, that movie, like, the Planet of the Apes trilogy, the new one, And you kind of see some of the groundwork in this. It's just like every time the Planet of the Apes trilogy made the right decision, this one made the safe decision. It's like story-wise. Yeah, Yeah. just way too safe. Like, Like, think about it. We almost could have had another version of Koba from the second Planet of the Apes movie and how fantastic he was as a villain. We could have had that again. Because I'm like, man, that was a very deep and complex and, you know, story with he loved Caesar, but he also resented Caesar. And like all these things, like there was so much nuance to that character. And they just went, no, nah, we got to play it safe. Yeah. And like it hurts so much. Like, especially like you like we've said, there's detail just not in the story. And it's like, and they take so many breaks in the story too. Like, if you haven't seen this movie and you're still listening at this point right now, just be warned. There are times in this movie, it feels more like a National Geographic animal documentary than it does a movie. And then maybe, you know, maybe some of these story points are things they're going to bring up in like, Avatar 3, 4, 5 or however many they've got going on later and all this other stuff but like I just sat through three hours though. You've got to give me something now. You can't have a three hour lead up to your next movie story. Like put some closure in this and then on top of it the characters don't always even make sense with even their own logic like like They left the forest tribe because they're like, man, the military is just going to come and kill all you guys looking for us. You know, we're going to leave. So they go join the water tribe because they think that the amount of distance and everything will just keep them safe. And it doesn't because it's a movie. But then at the end of the movie, after like everybody's been through a battle and shit like that, and they're like, well, we're going to leave to protect you guys. And then they go, nah, you're family now. And then they go, all right, yeah, fuck it. Let's stay. Let's stay. Like, no one in the forest tribe did the same thing? Like, why is it, like, you're going, oh, we don't want to sacrifice forest tribe people. But these water tribe people, fuck them. We'll stick around, let them die. Yeah. Like, it's a weird decision. Like, you're you're changing your own decision in the movie just because they went to battle with you like the forest ones didn't?
1: That's true.
0: So even then, his own decisions are lining up. Because they're like, oh, your son died and is buried with our family. Her father died in the, her father and brother died in the first movie and are buried with their people. I mean, families like that's that's a weird logic jump to like keep it in this. But you know they're not going to do that because this is a tech demo. So you know they're going to go to the desert in the next movie. So yep, they're going to figure they, out a reason to leave the water tribe to go to the desert tribe or the Arctic tribe or something. they you know what I mean. They're going to do something.
1: Yep, you got to do a different, yeah, you're right. You got to do a different climate and a different surrounding next time. So, yeah, we'll be bad. That's such a great point about that. Like just how they chose to do that. And then there was just kind of this problematic thing of you bringing your problems to these other people who were innocent and who weren't involved in this and put in their children and their families and stuff like that in danger. And it was like, they sort of skipped kind of around that one character goes, you brought this on us and stuff like that. And then like the other character didn't say anything. And then we sort of like had a subject change. We didn't really want to address that. Um, And then it wasn't even addressed at the end of the movie. It was just kind of like your family now. Okay. We got to stay and fight. And I get the arc of Sully of we got to run, we got to run, we got to run. And him getting to the end of it and going, no, we got to stay and fight. But I wish it was more about the fact that some of these fish people got hurt. They were hurt because I continue to run. This isn't going to stop. The pain isn't going to stop. the the They're going to keep chasing me and my family and they're going to continue to hurt other people and their families and stuff like that. So
0: I, I have it was to about find a way to fight Yeah. But the whales yeah. dying. They're like, oh, fuck it. We're fighting now. You kill yeah. all the nave you want. We're gonna, We're going to fight over some whales.
1: Yeah, the whales. And it was like, no, the whales. But like, I wish that the resolve had been built into some of that too. More than it was just about him personally going, okay, we got to fight now. And the, the, the reef people just accepting us. I, I I wish that that was a little harder to come by considering you brought this to them. You know, those are some really nice people, man. They're, they're, they are some really nice villages, man. Cause you brought all this upon them, man. the, the Their best whale friends died
0: because of you. And like, yeah, but their whale friends were, but, and that's the other weird thing about this story. The whale friends were dying. They admitted that they were killing and doing the whale shit, but as long as they were doing it far enough away, the Navi didn't give a fuck. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's like if somebody in New York is just like, nah, man, they're killing people in Brooklyn. I'm over here in Manhattan. I don't give a shit. Oh, you mean that one guy died on, on the border? Oh, hell! no! We gotta stop this now! like it's just the weirdest fucking thing,
1: yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It just felt like there should have been a little more conflict there with them bringing this upon these these villagers who were just so far removed from the conflict, but we didn't want to go there because we needed to resolve this, and we did, and like we said, what is the safe thing to do? Just have them, just have the Reef people accept them.
0: Just have the border people accept them. The thing is, is they built into the movie a reason for the Reef people to join them. When it was, we need to conquer Pandora because Earth is dying and we're going to just send people here. It was going to be an island person problem too. Yeah. It might not have happened now. But they were going to come to eradicate you also. So, whether or not you join the fight now, you will be fighting eventually, so you might yeah. as well so you might as well start now,
1: yeah, Give them some incentive to fight on that side that just makes sense, like you said, within the narrative, but it just sort of felt like they just accepted them, and I just had issue with that. I, I, do, I don't think that that was wrapped up as tightly as it possibly could have been. So that was a, another problem, I think, in this. I did like the adopted sister, the Sigourney Weaver daughter person. The Sigourney um, Weaver
0: playing Sigourney Weaver's daughter? Yeah,
1: Yeah, the Sigourney Weaver playing Sigourney Weaver's daughter. Um, I did like her. I liked how she looked. I liked the character design. She kind of looked like Sigourney in the looks and everything. And I liked the whole thing about kind of being obsessed with her mother. And that was really weird when you're at the beginning of the movie and she's all like looking at (laughs) her avatar body in this tube and replaying those videos and stuff like that. And man, I wish that she was more fucked up than she was in the movie. They just sort of were like, oh, she's weird or look at her. She's over here by herself and stuff like that. I wish she was a lot more. I think she could have been a little more fucked up than what they made her. I think she should have been like a crisis of identity. Yeah. An identity crisis. She totally should have had that. She should have been a little bit more extra I think, and that would have been fun and that would have been some neat stuff and stuff like that. I even kind of loved all of that at the end where she sort of was realizing this connection she had and all of that kind of stuff. But I wish that that had been the result of overcoming some sort of existential crisis like you're talking about or some sort of identity crisis, something like that. I wish it had been like her overcoming something like that. Or questioning why do I have these feelings? Why do I feel like this? You know, is this because of my mom and not being able to explain it and the frustration? And like maybe they had tidbits of that. Maybe they thought they had that, but I don't know if they really had that either.
0: It was just, she's weird. Why am I weird? See, and they could have had a really fun dynamic, like, because they had her having like a kindredness with spider. Yeah. And They could have had this really cool thing where Spider was a human that wanted to be more Nave. And you could have had her being a Nave that wanted to be more human because she Ah. knows her mom was a more, you know, human. And so she was wanting to, like, repress and deny some of those Nave things until she accepted who she was. And then that's what allowed her to have that interconnectedness with the planet or wherever the fuck it was. Something like that. perfect.
1: That's beautiful. I think that's perfect, actually.
0: You know, they could have character, and it would have been a really cool dynamic because, like like I said, you have Spider being one way and her being the opposite, and really played into that. So then, when she gets removed from the people, when they go to the island tribe, that's when she's actually having to confront who she is. Yeah, because she's removed from what she wanted to be you know, yeah. and all of those things. then they could have done some really cool shit with that. You know, especially because weirdly enough, the main character, if you will, of this movie, Hey, you can argue is actually the rebellious son. But if you really want to go in a traditional sense, it's still Jake Sully. Yeah. He's got zero development at all in this movie. Yeah. He is the most He's- nothing main character I've ever fucking seen.
1: Yeah, he's just one way him and and Zoe Saldania, the wife. They're just they are just exactly who they are from the start of the movie all the way to the the end of the movie. When he finally says, I'm not going to run anymore, that 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 was the only moment where that character changed in a way. But up until that time, he was just the same protect, protect, fight, don't fight, run away, safety of children. I got to take care of my children. It was very just like, they didn't do much with him at all. And I like, I totally agree with you. It felt like the rebellious younger brother was the
0: main character of this. It did feel like that. And that's fine. Like that's not necessarily a knock against the movie. It's just kind of weird that at the end of the movie, they still were like, no, but it's about Jake. Yeah. Because the villain is about Jake. Villain doesn't give a fuck about rebellious boy. Villain cares about Jake. So ultimately the story revolves around Jake. When your antagonist is about Jake, you know what I mean? And like, that's what's so weird is there's no depth. There's no growth. Even to the point that when their son dies, I don't really think they care. Like, I know that Zoe Saldana's character screams and all this other stuff. I think Jake's just like, man, I'm glad we got so many kids. Bound (laughs) to lose one or two. (laughs) One of them's bound to be successful. Um, I mean, why does his character have the same reaction we did when his son died? (laughs) Like, it's weird.
1: That's <laughs> true. He was just like you know, wife needs to take a deep breath and let's get it together. Let's get it together. Um, uh, but Natiri, I think that's the the name of the wife. She was cool in this though. Like she was a badass warrior in this one. Like even more so than the second one. They did a lot with her. Like the action sequences, like with her. Well, like the best action sequences, just when she went all primal, I'm angry mother and I'm going to fuck shit up. I did like that. I did like that. That was the most cool that that character got, you know?
0: Well, because it was interesting. Whereas like yeah. Jake Sully was just doing army shit. You know what I mean? Just like, I was just going to do yeah. some army shit. Not even doing yeah. any cool Navi shit. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to do some army shit. And like one thing that bothered me about this movie too is that for as much as they played into how different the water people were from the forest people like biologically speaking they didn't really play into that much like yeah the forest people had to learn how to breathe differently underwater like to like like breath holding techniques and all that other stuff but the fact that like the water people's arms are bigger And their tails are more like aquatic. To make them better swimmers never really played a part in the movie. Like you never saw the forest people at a real disadvantage because physically they aren't meant to swim as well as the other ones. But they make a big deal out of it so much. They're like, oh, look, your chests are so much smaller than ours and your tails are small and your forearms are small. How are you ever going to survive here? Just fine, apparently.
1: That's true. That's true. They just, they sort of montaged it where it was like, oh, we're having a little bit of difficulty with this stuff. But then they got it and everything was okay. We need to move on to our other plot points. So they needed to get it and they got it and we're good. That That's really yeah. kind of what the movie did. And you're right. That wasn't a reoccurring thing or they didn't make it come back or there wasn't. Maybe a character from that side that we needed because we can't do the thing. Nothing really like that,
0: really. Yeah, they never really had a disadvantage. Because even the montage was about breathing. Like, the montage wasn't even about swimming or any of that shit. It was like, hey, this is how you ride water dragons. And this is how you breathe underwater. And that's it. Yeah. They didn't change
1: any of their shit with it. Why didn't the fish people save them at the end when that ship was sinking? Why weren't they involved in something like that? Why couldn't the, now I, I'm not necessarily, I did kind of like the scene with the, with, the, um, with the adopted, with the Sigourney Weaver daughter, yeah. Sigourney Weaver doing that and the lighting up and all that stuff at the end. But why couldn't she have done that and brought those fish people, found her way out maybe and brought those fish people and they could have saved them.
0: And they could have had like a little joke whenever they like they found them and been like, hey, if only you had our, you know, water people tails, you'd have been able to swim out of this like nothing. Don't worry, forest guy. I got your back.
1: Yeah, we got you. we got you on this. They sort of just disappeared. Like, all the fighting was happening. The last 20 minutes,
0: none of them were there.
1: None of them. They were just removed. And I get it. Okay, yeah, this is a family. It's got to be about that and stuff like that. But it would have been nice if, yeah, if we needed the border Navi at the end there to to help save them. If she could have found her way out using maybe she was on her last leg or she's trying to get out and she can't find her way. And then she kind of realizes this thing connects and everything finds her way out. Then she's like, I got to go get the people who are the master swimmers and divers and stuff like that. I got to get them. I, I just think that would have been better because the, they, they totally just disappeared. Where did they go? Were they just standing there? I'd like to think they were just standing there. Just they just went home from afar. No, they just went <laughs>
0: home. They're all eating dinner and shit. They're I like, now nah, my part's done. I mean, we fucked up the people that killed the whales. I don't give a fuck about any of the rest of that shit. We got the whale people. That's all yeah. that matters. That's it's all that matters. Dinner time.
1: They were just chilling, man. bad. They would just chill Either they would just stand there watching this go down, going, well, I guess they'll the I guess Jake and his family will come out eventually. Or like you said, they went home. And it, I mean, and either way, that's, doesn't seem great. And then at the end to be like You're family now, well, shit, where were you? <laughs> See, where that's, were what's, you fam?
0: that's what's so weird. <laughs> One thing I want to touch on too. I really liked what you said earlier. Notice I, I have mentioned this movie's three hours, but I haven't mentioned how long I, this movie felt. That's because actually the first two hours or so of this movie actually don't feel that long because you are kind of enamored in the visuals. You lose yourself in it. It, It's just, it's a spectacle. It's all these things. And then like you said, once that wears off though, that's when I like looked at my watch and went, oh man, it's been going for like two hours. And then I went, but wait, what the fuck has happened? Nothing has happened. Two hours have passed and not a fucking thing has happened. As far as the story goes, like it's not there. You know what I mean? Like that's what the, like I think it's funny that I had the exact same thing and I'm nowhere near as tolerant to run times as you are. You're infinitely more tolerant than I am because you'll see a three hour movie sometimes. And you'll be like, I sign up for it as long as it delivers on its promise. I don't feel that way. When I see a three hour (laughs) runtime, I go this best be the best damn movie ever to justify (laughs) three hours. Yeah, You know, our our social contracts with movie runtimes are different. But we still had the same experience with this movie. It doesn't feel like... I will give it credit. It didn't feel like three hours. But like you said, once the spectacle wears off and you get past the shine and the glitz and the glamour, you do find yourself sitting there going... Wait, what is going on? Like, yeah, what is ha- what like, What what
1: what are you what are you saying? What are you doing? Exactly. What is actually going on with the story? And I think one of the parts that was more the most egregious to me or when I really started to realize it is that when we got to the border people and that whole thing started with them trying to get used to swimming and breathing and all of that there was, That was a real lengthy part of time without going back to Spider or what our villain was doing or anything like that. That was a long ass period of time. I want to go back and time that because it felt like 30 minutes of us with the reef, with, with the border people and the water Navi. It felt like we were there for so long before anything moved with our villain or what was going on over there or them trying to find him. It felt like there was a long ass period of time. And so after a while, I was like, man, look at these beautiful visuals. Look at them trying to breathe. Look at them trying to get used to this. Okay. You know, these these water Navi, that's cool. And I'm and I'm and it's making me wonder, well, how many other Navi are there? Do they all look different in different Places or continents or whatever. And then after a while, like you said, then the visuals wear off. And after you've seen them practice and fail and get it and all of that kind of stuff, you're like, okay, what is this story really doing? And then you just realize we've been here a long ass time. And then finally, I saw Spider and I saw the villain. And I was like, damn, it took a long time to get back to them. I think that was when I first noticed it.
0: Well, it's because they, in that scene, when they're doing all the breathing stuff, it's, it goes right back to the same thing the first movie did. When Jake's like learning about the nave and he's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I got to learn how to ride a dragon. You get the same thing with, I got to learn how to do a water dragon. And like, I got to learn how to do this, like the nave. And like, I got to learn how to connect my thing to a tree. I got to, you know, so you get that exact same type of thing in this movie, you know. And so it's, it's so jarring because there are some visually spectacular scenes in that. But then I think there's this one distinct scene and it happens with the rebellious son and his whale friend. And they're kind of just like floating in the water, like his hand is touching the fin and they're kind of like slowly spinning in that circle and you see it from underneath. And I'm like looking at it and I'm like, what the fuck has this movie been doing for two hours? <laughs> I've seen this shot like four times now. Like, What are we really doing here? And then I look at my watch and I go, we have an hour left. Like, so while the first two hours don't necessarily feel like two hours, that last hour feels a little heavy though. Cause then they jam pack the rest of the movie. Mm. into that hour. So I'm just like, man, talk about needing time management. (laughs) And so it's just, it's so awkwardly paced with it. And it made me kind of wonder with some of this stuff, like, is that all these movies are going to end up being? Is this movie going to be a tech demo every time? Because like, The only movie I've ever seen to me that semi-justified the use of 3D technology was the first Avatar. Every other movie after that that did 3D, none of them needed it, ever. And they are all the worse for trying to do it. (laughs) But this movie, I'm like, okay, I didn't see it in 3D because like you said, Jess, my ass is never going to watch a 3D movie ever again. <laughs> Unless, because James Cameron says his, what he wants to do is he wants to get to glasses list 3D in a movie theater. So he wants to do a 3DS on a screen. Okay. He wants to do that. When he gets that, maybe I'll go watch one of those. But I can also promise you this probably ever going to watch it once. And I will never watch a movie in that format again. And it'd probably have to be something like an avatar to make me do it. But the thing is, is what's the purpose of this one? Okay. It looked fantastic. What are you going to do with that? Just make another one of these and do another story. That's the same bullshit again. Like, what are you going to do with this? Because ultimately at the end of this movie, while I said, this doesn't completely rip off a movie. In the end, this movie ended up feeling like a weird version of fucking Free Willy. Like it's some after-school special about how we need to conserve and save the whales. (laughs) You know, and like I said, at least they toned down the white saviorness a little bit. But I feel like at a certain point, if you're going to have this guy be the villain again in another movie and all this other stuff, and they got to really save Pandora from you know, an earth invasion force. God, you know, they're going to do some next level epic white saviorness in that. They're probably going to have one movie where he's going to have to like figure out a way to go back into a human body to do some shit, to come back. You know what I mean? Something like that.
1: Oh God. They're going to do something, man. I I hope you're not right, but I feel like you're going to be right. And now we got to deal with the same villain again. And, You know, I mean, one way to look at it is maybe it's another chance to nuance this villain and develop this sort of relationship with Spider and all of that kind of stuff and make there be some conflict. Maybe it's a third chance to see if they can do this villain right. But, man, I mean, you done already struck. (laughs) You done already tried to hit this ball twice. You know, can I expect you to finally hit that home run the third time? And I don't know. I don't know how interested they are in that.
0: Well, when it comes to this narrative, James Cameron in an interview said that this movie sets up Stephen Lang being a villain in this universe for at least another two or three movies. And with this, with James Cameron's inability to even want to demonstrate nuance in a story, Justin, I don't think you're going to get it at all ever. We're yeah. gonna get five movies of a James Bond villain. God,
1: oh, I know you're right, but I, I hate it. I hate it because it's 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 even more frustrating as something like this because when the pieces are there, and they keep they'll they'll then that means that they'll continue to do this almost do it thing and not do it. And that's just going to make me even more frustrated. It's just better when a movie just is bad and it doesn't have it. And it's like, man, this is stupid. But at least I know. But at least it's like and there's never any moment of hope of, oh, that they could actually do something with this character. This one is going to have that out the ass where there's just going to be this near development after near nuance after near nuance. But it's not going to be any of it. And I'm just going to be mad. It's going to be frustrated. And the thing is,
0: I'd rather they just abandon it. Just don't hint at that there might be development. Yeah. like Because that's what makes me mad. They hinted yeah. at it. It was there. They like, they showed what they could have possibly done. And then they just didn't do it. I'd rather, yeah. if if that wasn't in there, I wouldn't be as mad that the villain was so fucking one-dimensional. If they hadn't shown that there could have been a dimension. Like, that's what angers me with it. Is that at one point, for all I know, there's like 40 minutes of deleted scenes of everything we talked about. And they just went, nah, we got to cut this down to three hours. And they go, okay, okay. So you're going to cut out the 45 minutes of whale swimming. And James Cameron goes, have you seen how good that whale swimming looks? (laughs) Fuck no, we're not cutting that out. Get rid of all that bullshit nuance. I want this character to have the singular focus of T-1000 because everybody loved him. Damn. Damn. And you're just like, okay, James Cameron. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm weirdly optimistic for the third one because this one did exceed my expectations. As weird as it sounds, because I gave the movie a fucking 50. Yeah, you did. This movie exceeded my expectations because I'm not going to lie, going into this movie, I was primed and ready to give this movie a negative fucking score.
1: Yeah, and the way you were talking leading up to this, it totally seemed like this movie had no chance with you. It totally seemed like
0: that. The you visuals know? are they they are undeniable. That they affect your viewing of this movie. And that's honestly what gave it fifty points. Is it just visually it is something you have to see that to to believe with it. And like I said, that one scene where you just see like little, those little fine body hairs that people have and you see it clear as day, like with each little like goosebump of flesh with it, you know what I mean? Like you see it, you know, like to me, and it's on, it's on a, it's on a nave body too. So it's like they digitally did all of that where like, I've only seen that before. Where it's like, you know, like they'll do that, that thing where they like, they're painting up the back of a woman. That's like, you know, her bare back and you see the, like those little fine hairs on her back. And you see that in like a really well shot, like 4K movie. And that's real life. And they digitally did that. Yeah. To the exact same precision. Like you cannot deny that. And that, that, that sense of spectacle and wonder that it does lead you to a little bit. Like, visually speaking, it tells a little bit more of a story than the, the story actually gives you, but it doesn't do it in a, in a good enough way that other movies do it. Like, like I brought up John Wick before in this, in this episode. John Wick also tells its simple-ass story through fight scenes. But it does it in an interesting and unique way that like really elevates the storytelling as it goes through that progression. And this one does the same thing visually speaking. The problem is as the movie slows down its storytelling to do it. It pauses the story to go, look at all my cool shit. Instead of using all the cool shit to keep your story going. Like you said, Justin, it pauses the fucking story to go, Hey guys, here's a training montage. Just like from the first movie. That is just to justify the end. Instead of using it to like build and like have some failure, have some growth with it. You know, all these things like, maybe it would have been a cool thing to where the younger rebellious brother was actually taking to the breathing techniques better than the, the dutiful great son. Yeah. And caught like a little bit of dynamic with that, but no, they just, yeah. All like, you know, it was a little hard, but then they just did it. But it took them 45 minutes to just do it. And that's the problem is you didn't, Keep your story going with cool shit, you paused it to do cool shit. And that's the difference.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like I said, I can't deny it. It's. I, I, I am genuinely surprised how much I enjoyed the movie visually. I'm not surprised with how good it looked because well, fuck it should. I mean, he delayed the movie so long to get the visuals to this point. And all these things, like I get that, but it really is a new thing. Now the problem is, is we're not going to see another movie with these visuals until the next one, because this is the only movie that needs these visuals. Like that's the problem. Yeah, Marvel doesn't need these visuals. They'll do their shit and it'll look fine. Marvel shit. You know what I mean? Like it'll everything else. Everything else can be just fine, visually speaking. When it comes to, like, computer-generated animations and stuff, everything can be just fine because they've got other shit. This has to be top-tier, elevating, visually graphic shit because it's got nothing else. Yeah. So... mm Oh well. Anyway, you got any more thoughts about Avatar Waterworld 2? No.
1: Nah, all of this just made me want ice cream and it's cold as hell outside <laughs> and now and I still want ice cream.
0: You say it's cold as hell outside. We're getting to negative twenty here this week.
1: Oh damn. Well I'll stop complaining. On Christmas
0: Man. Eve. Tomorrow Man. we're supposed to start like we're supposed to start getting just an ungodly amount of snow tomorrow.
1: A white Christmas.
0: Yeah, that's not weird up in the <laughs> in the Midwest. <laughs> we you know. It snows here. <laughs> Most people would prefer a non-white Christmas here.
1: Probably so I was about to say. I don't think y'all are dreaming of a white Christmas.
0: No. <laughs> oh man. Especially not the amount of snow we're prob if if like projections are right, it's going to be stupid. It's going to oh, snow God. for like 14 hours for 15 hours straight. And then it's going to be like I said negative 20, negative 30 on Saturday. It's going to warm up to like a balmy 10 degrees on Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> we're like we're not looking for anything in the 40s I think until next Thursday. And we want the 40s cuz that'll actually start melting the snow. That's God. what sucks is when it snows and it doesn't warm up enough ever and the snow just stays and it stays and it stays oh, yeah you want man. those you want those few days in the 40s and 50s just to melt the snow a little bit so wow. i get to spend my christmas eve eve shoveling a driveway so that's fun <laughs> god all right uh, on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, we are cinema underscore slayers. Uh, cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok. At Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' family. Tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. There's no Heather, so it's on you.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, what should I say? I don't know. Zoe Zaldania, primal screaming, killing a bunch of Marines.
0: It was either that or whales.
1: Oh, yeah. I could have just said whales. That would have been a lot easier. (laughs) Should have went with that.
0: Heather, we need you. I'm not good at this. I should have just texted her and tell her and like asked her to tell me what dear sweet mothers love before <laughs> we got to this. Um, and as I uh, just remember here at the cinema Slayers podcast, we were both pro slut and pro Sydney. And as I always end the TikToks, the podcast and the YouTube videos, just remember, according to Justin moon night is a best picture winner.
1: You. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on.
0: Cinema slayers, slayers. I'm surprised you had nothing to say there, Justin. No, I liked it. I just liked uh, getting
1: to listen to the theme. That was nice. That
0: I, think was nice. I think I'm going to go eat a Klondike bar. Oh, yum. Yum. What would you do for a Klondike bar, Justin?
1: I would add Oreos to this movie.
0: That's fair. Or a Klondike bar because they do have the Oreo Klondike bars.
1: Oh. Yeah. Never, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, it's just what? a Klondike bar, but it's got cookies and cream on the inside. Okay. Yeah. There's a TikTok going around. And I think, I think it was more or less written for me. And it's like, it starts with the whole, you know, I don't know if I would do anything for a Klondike bar, but there's an ungodly like level of things I would do for a hot, warm, like soft pretzel. I'm like, yeah, that's my life.
1: That's like you, that is your soul proposition.
0: Yeah. Because you know what I did while I watched this three hour movie, ate a pound and a half of pretzel. It's so nice. fucking good, nice
1: that's what sucked like I had a big popcorn and I ate it like uh barely like thirty minutes into the movie. it was gone, and you know i and I wanna like not miss any of the movie just to like have that integrity review, so like I'm just I'm sitting there and I'm like, damn it, I could have I could have a refill and I
0: can't There. And James Cameron kind of pissed me off. And it was another reason why I thought I was going to really hate this movie. Somebody in an interview asked him, like, well, when in the movie can you, like, get up to, like, use the restroom if you need to? And he's like, oh, at any time you want. Because you can watch what you missed when you rewatch the movie. I'm like, that's a lot of balls, James Cameron. I know. (laughs) Damn. I'm glad I didn't get up from the movie at all because I'm not fucking rewatching it ever. (laughs) I don't care if the avatar three doesn't come out for another 15 years from now, I'm not watching the first one and I'm not watching this again. I will just go in with just zero expectations or, you know, zero remembrance whatsoever. I think this one's a little easy to remember. If I just remember whales, I'm going to remember this movie. So pretty much there really are so many goddamn whale scenes in this movie. Like, I don't think I realized it whilst watching it that how many there were until we started talking about it. And I'm like, so many whales. Yeah. And, and one the, of them. And the whales had a weirdly had tattoos? Yeah. I'm like, how did the whales get tattoos? <laughs> there are whale tattoos in this movie. That's how detailed they get. They have each whale has like its own tattoos. But like. The wheels have them. That's so weird. Anyway, all right, I'm out.